Hi, and welcome to Tribe Talks, a series of curious conversations with entrepreneurs, practitioners, scholars, and business leaders who have diverse perspectives on how a human-first approach is better for business. My name is Bastian Lindbergh, and I'm the co-founder of A Tribe Called Humans, a human collective for better business. My wonderful guest today is a podcast host herself. In her podcast series, Bold Thinking, she talks with entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial thinkers about how they transform their businesses and themselves in spite of most unexpected developments along the way. I had the pleasure of being a guest myself, and I'm very grateful that she's returning the favor today. Julia Lecky, she's the founder and CEO of Honest and endlessly curious about the world and about new ways of thinking and doing business. So I'm really excited to talk to you today about your idea of better business. Having founded two agencies from startup to working with some of the world's most recognizable brands, including Porsche, Unilever, Vodafone, Virgin, and many more, Julia has a broad view of how brands and businesses can grow and innovate. As an ambassador of the cancer fundraising charity Future Dreams, Julia believes that every person and every business can use their time and gifts to drive change and help society. The boldest idea she has helped with will come to life in 2021 with the opening of the Future Dreams House in London. This will be a compelling healing place for those suffering from cancer, a story of her own. Welcome, Julia. Hello, thanks for inviting me. Before we start talking a bit about work and business and so on, we kind of like to just build a bit more of a human connection and learn a bit more about the person we're talking to. So, so one of the questions we like to ask, and I think that maybe for you that has even this very special meaning, is when you feel most human and, and most alive. I think I think the, when I feel most human, it's interesting, is when I use my gifts. And, and I think we all have, I think we get every now and again, we can all get a little bit lost in life. And and I make a real um, attempt every year or every six months to just list what my gifts are. And and I think when you're using your gifts, and I think mine are creativity, I think mine are, they are a little bit around sort of like organizing an action base. So I don't like to have an idea and not make it happen. So creativity and making things happen are my gifts. And I think if I'm not using them, it feels like I'm a little bit off track so what I tend to do is every six months, I write down my gifts, I review them. And if I'm feeling a little bit down or unhappy, it's usually because I'm not using them enough mm -hmm. and I'm not aware of them enough and I'm getting too processed or making Excel spreadsheets and the sort of stuff that a brain like mine can do mm. because obviously my, my position within a business, but actually isn't good for my heart. So And I think when you're using your gifts, it's really obvious. It's like wind in your sails and you sit down and you use your gifts and you blink and a half a day is gone and you blink hmm. and a whole day is gone and you just feel excited and animated and it fills you up. And mm. I think when you're not using your gifts, you feel quite drained and exhausted. Mm. So it's always good to write down what your gifts are mm. and they help lead your passions Hmm. I love that idea. Actually, that's a really good advice. I need to take that to heart. I don't, <laughs> I don't do that to be honest. So, and I think it's probably really difficult also if we don't become aware of what our gifts are to, 
find the work and find the context where we could apply it. So maybe one of the reasons why a lot of people feel not really fulfilled in what they do. And so I think that's a great advice to just kind of regularly check in. And have you seen when you do that exercise, do you see that there is a shift in, in what you feel you're in that moment strong at, or does that change depending on the context you're in? Or do you see that there is a core theme going through? I definitely think it helps me. And also another thing is another tip as well is people that you work with around you, get one or two of them to, to write your gifts for mm -hmm. you as well mm -hmm. to see if they align. Mm -hmm. And usually what happens is I go through a period where I'm feeling a bit low or a bit down about things. And I look at my gifts and I think, well, I'm not being creative enough. And it happened to me about four or five years ago. I think I got very, I'd just come through an illness and things were really tricky to mm. deal with. And I went through my list of gifts and realized I wasn't being creative enough. And, and identified a way I wanted to be creative was to do more creative writing. And then I started writing a novel. Mm -hmm. And four years later, I've just finished my novel, hopefully waiting to find out tomorrow about a publisher. But when I'm writing my novel, I just feel so happy. My husband calls it my affair. I'm married and I've got two <laughs> kids. And he said, it's a bit like when you're writing your novel, you're having an affair because it's sort of like you do it on the spare time, yeah. you're hiding it away, you're sneaking out to do it because you're so busy. Mm. But it really fills up my soul. So what I tend to do is if I'm not using my gifts, I can feel it. Mm. And then I give myself a few projects or one project that really uses my gift. And I make sure I do it and action it and create something great out the back of it. Mm. So usually when you look at your gifts, you'll understand that you're not using them and then give yourself a task to do, which makes sure you do use them because you can all recognize your gifts, but are you actually using them? And what parts of your existing job mm. give you mm. those and allow you to use them? And if they don't, can you create mini projects Mm. Uh, or hobbies because my it's ho my hobby that make yeah. you and allow you to use that i want to ask you there because i mean you you are one of the rare people that have achieved building up two successful businesses in their lifetime <laughs> so you've created one agency that became very successful and then you decided to start it over again how did you go about in in, in regards to that question like applying your gifts and finding Or, or creating an environment where you feel you can apply all your passions rather than maybe just doing what business demands of you? Well, it's really interesting. I think with the first business I worked in and, and we set up, I, it was very much a test and trial, test and trial. And then the second business I set up, I wrote a plan. Mm -hmm. And there's a massive difference. So I sat down and I wrote it like it could be on one sheet of paper, it could be on a beer mat, it could be anything. And it's just a plan about what you want and what you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. And then you can measure yourself against it or you can make sure that you're living it and breathing it. And I think when I set up Honest, I, I sat down and I wrote a, pr a proper plan and the plan had... Part of it was a business plan, which was financially related and people related. But part of it was a plan around how I wanted the culture of the organization to be, the aspirations for myself within. And, and I think 
when I go off from that plan, I can, again, I can feel it. I can feel that I'm off, off track a little bit. So I think not, not enough people. I don't think when I talk to people and I mentor a few people as well, I always say, have you written a plan? And they go, Oh no, we're just doing it. And I say, and I love that Mm. Steve Jobs quote where he says, only when you look back, do you see the dots connecting? Mm. Whereas actually I think you can also write little plans along the way. And I don't think by chance, Steve Jobs became amazing. I do think he had a little plan along the way. And then Mm. afterwards, some things happen that, oh, I didn't realize that. So you're allowed to go outside the plan. Mm. But I think that was really important in the second business I set up, which really helped me to keep a little bit more on track. Yeah, what you're saying resonates, especially I think when you're being very intentional in the culture that you also want to create and the way that you work. So I think a lot of people have maybe a clear plan in terms of the business outcomes and what the product looks like. But this idea of really being also having, having the same kind of uh, rigor planning to what kind of an organization you want to create and how you want it to behave and the people to feel inside, I think is something that maybe often gets forgotten a bit or it gets lost over time. I don't know, but a lot of organizations that I've worked with, I always felt that, there's a lot of focus on the product and the outcome, but then the insight and, and the intentions in terms of how the culture should respond to that business ambition wasn't really thought through, I felt. And it sounds like this is something that you're doing more purposefully. Well, it's interesting. I spoke to someone yesterday that gave a really good analogy around it that I've not thought mm-hmm. of. And he said, it's really difficult to change the culture of a big organization, but you can change the climate. Yeah. And it made me really think last night because I think when you set up a business, you you have a little boat and you within this little boat, you're creating this ideal environment, this culture of mm. love and affection and reward and fun and joy. And there's got to be an element of making money because we've got to pay each other. But then around you, you've got the wind and the rain and the storms and the rolling. And, mm-hmm. and that's a bit that's sometimes really difficult and really conscious about it because organizations can create a culture and within that culture it grows and develops but some things you can't control is the climate Mm. and so I think I think what I try to do over the years is create a really lovely culture for people but the climate has been harder to control and therefore Mm. as you go along I can really really feel for big organizations that have got a culture and organization that have been going for 20, 30 years. Mm. And especially with COVID, it's really, really driven businesses maybe into a, a place they didn't want to be, which has created mm. a culture they never thought they would have. Mm. So it's a really fine balance, I think, for leaders in business. That's a beautiful way to to picture it, I think, also, right? And it reminds me of something yeah. that I read from you, a, a quote, I think, in one of your articles. Was it The Telegraph where you said that your own experience with, with cancer and the disease made you realize that you can't control the situation? So it helped you understand what are the things you can control and how can you shift your focus on, on that? I found that an interesting realization. Is that something that you would say is... is present in your day-to-day work life looking at what are the things that I can impact and control and focus on that I think it's really important. I think there are that famous saying is control the controllable. Mm. And it's really, really 
it's really difficult. So sometimes, again, I have this little diagram I draw, which is a circle in the middle, which is all the things I, I sort of can't control. And then around the outside is all the things I can control. And it's really difficult, obviously, going through an illness. And I've been through, I'm really open about it. I've, mm. I've had two lots of lots of chemo now, uh, one for six rounds and one for 12 rounds. And during those months, literally months you go through it, there are demands on you that still with being a mother, mm. with running a business and you wake up and you think, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make that happen. But you just don't feel well enough. Mm. So I think very quickly I've learned from having my two illnesses that A, I, can't, I couldn't control get, getting the cancer, but B, outside of that, the bits I can control some days I have to be careful of because my body won't allow me to. And I just forgive myself for that. Mm -hmm. I don't give myself a hard time. And, I, and it's a bit like I know everybody at Christmas is now deciding what three households can come together when and my husband's got two sides of his family i've got mm. so that's four four families coming together mm. and we've had to make a really tough decision that actually only two parts of the family can come together and again you have to really adapt to that very quickly and not be upset or disappointed you just have to accept that scenario and move with it and make the best of it And I sometimes think when I really struggle in life, I'm trying to control things I can't mm. control. They're just not within my, they're not within my gift mm. to, to do that. Whether it's, I feel, I don't feel well or the environment or the climate around me. And I think that can create a lot of anxiety with people. And as soon as you let go and you go, what it is, what it is, you just feel so much happier. <laughs> you do. <laughs> you just think, wow, no, I can't go to work this morning because I feel really poorly. So mm. I ring everybody, everyone's fine about it. And then I just relax and go back to sleep mm. again. Mm. And I think sometimes just control what you can do. And when you mm. can't, very quickly let it go because those adversities are always going to be in people's way and those obstacles are, but that's life and we're all going mm -hmm. to have them. Yeah. I mean, there's this uh, big conversation around vulnerability at work and, and bringing your whole self and not just the business uh, facade. Did this kind of extreme situation help you develop an understanding or was it something that you did before? Because I'd, if I'm really honest, I'm struggling with that a lot to let go and try to control everything too much and maybe also not being honest enough sometimes about how I really feel and if I'm actually really prepared to show up to work today or not. So I'm, I'm curious how that now affects your, your behavior as a leader and a person who's running a business and what we can maybe learn from that. Yeah, I think showing vulnerability. I read a book on it. I think I mentioned this to you before. I need to mm. dig it out. And and I think showing vulnerability is 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 actually a good thing. Saying I need help with this, or they're not necessarily your skill sets. And but you go at it with a, a place of I'm struggling. I've got a few problems. I think I've got a solution. I'm a bit vulnerable in this area. Will you help? And that's mm. a big difference to people coming to you and saying I've got loads of problems. I'm really upset. And I spoke to you about that chimp paradox where yeah. you're going to a meeting as a leader and everybody's got a problem. And if you imagine it like a little monkey on their back, when you as a leader walk in with your own monkey, your own problem on your back, and then by the end of the meeting, the skill is not to have everybody's problems on your back because then you've got five or 10 or 15 monkeys, which makes the load very, very heavy. Mm. So I think being vulnerable is really important. And I think being vulnerable and asking for a solution and working with people for a solution, not just giving that person next to you loads of problems because you've, you've got to have a little bit of think around it yourself. And 
And I think definitely, I think I've learned a lot through through my illness. And actually, I think with any tough situation any of us go through, that's an illness, that's a death in, in a family, it's actually really traumatic. And it's trying to find the diamond in the coal because that's the only way in your head you can rationalize it. And for me, the diamond in the coal from having my illness was I learned a lot of new skills and I'm really pleased to have them in my toolbox. And I think there's things that people can learn and teach if you have or haven't had an illness, to be mm. honest. But I think going through it, they they became very important. And it was a friend of mine described it. He's been going through a cancer treatment recently. She said, I feel like most days I'm under the water and every now and again, I can just get mm. my head out and I feel like I'm surviving. And I think you just learn a load of survival tools. Mm -hmm. and coping mechanisms and mm -hmm. being kind to yourself and being a bit vulnerable I just think is really important it seems like you had to learn it the, the hard way but I can see how in terms of that resilience to be able to just respond to probably any form of crisis or intervention that you can't control and, and that will help you probably in any other context as well because you've gone through that experience and you've learned to also reassess certain values in life and so on. I think right now we're in a time where a lot of people, I would say, not in this kind of life-threatening sense, but go through some sort of crisis or a shock to the system that they're known to be in. And I think this is interesting parallel that we could draw to, to just be more mindful and reflective and, and, and look for the opportunities in that and what it can teach you about yourself and rediscovering your gifts. So you talked a bit about your passion and your gift around creativity and, and I'm just wondering how you're designing that in your organization for that to thrive so that you're able to bring that into your work but also that the organization since you're also a creative business really has the ability to yeah, live up to that passion because uh, I'm just also very curious what is those driver how do we create an environment where that can actually happen well that's really interesting and I think there's a one word that sums it up is fear. Mm -hmm. I think if you're in an atmosphere of fear and a company and culture with fear, it's really hard to be creative and have ideas. Mm -hmm. And I think that fear comes in many forms. It's being scared to say the wrong thing. It's being scared to put your ideas on the table. It's believing the culture won't have those. And I think one of the things I hope that the group and the team that I work with are open to is we don't have a culture where it's it, it there's fear so we positively encourage ideation innovation new thinking no idea is a bad idea i really mm -hmm. do believe in that and i think when you have that openness then i think people are more likely to share and and i think some of the really big businesses have these cultures where they create innovation ideas and they like people to come forward as on entrepreneurs if you like within organizations mm -hmm. and have great ideas so i think we definitely try to create a culture where people feel that they have a voice and they can mm -hmm. have their say whatever level whatever type whatever they do and it's going to be listened to mm -hmm. and if it's a great idea then the business should wrap their arms around it and take it and take it forward so i think It's, yeah, it's creating a culture where people have a voice and speak to senior leaders mm -hmm. confidently. Do you have anything like rituals or, or specific behaviors that you have designed for that to happen? Or maybe also where you can self-control? Sometimes I've 
experience for myself that I'm in a situation where maybe I then realize, oh, now I was maybe too strong with my point of view and so on. And it can quickly, you know, shut other people down. What is your kind of control mechanism for that? It's really difficult. And it's also when you're really busy some days. I was reading this article the week about this. Someone said to this, how do you get to be a CEO? How do you learn? And they they said, well, by making mistakes. And by making mistakes, you get more experience. You get more experience, you get better at what you do. So I, I still believe that I still make loads of mistakes and Mm. I'm still really aware but I do really do appreciate feedback and I hope that I think we're living in a society now where people are happy to contact you in by various zillions of different types of whatsapp linkedin type thing and just say look can I have a word and can I have a choice but I think we've all all got to be aware of ourselves and our behavior and hope that we are open to ideas and creating a culture where innovation is allowed when it's fast paced and I think a lot of leaders mm. at the moment and organizations are under a huge amount of pressure, huge amount of pressure mm. to mm. you know when you hear about big big CEOs and big leaders in businesses struggle, struggle enormously with the pressure of that. So it's a real fine balance. But I think you just have to keep checking yourself and ask people around you that you trust and admire and respect that they they do that to you as well, and they give you some feedback with love. Yeah, I mean, back to your point about the chimp paradox, right? Yeah. If you're always the loudest voice, you'll end up with a lot of monkeys on your back eventually because <laughs> people will not open up anymore and help. Oh, you'll be scared to show them your monkey. Yeah. And then it just stays a monkey on your back, and it can be a real diamond spiral then, doesn't it? Yeah. I just remember something we from another conversation with you where you described the way that you, you look at I think your colleagues and even your clients in a very human way, which I found quite inspiring. And I think it goes also back to your point around daring to be vulnerable as a leader and saying that you're not okay. And and so this really more kind of human relationship. um, Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I went to this lecture about 15, 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And there was loads of, there was like hundreds of people. And, and this person come to talk about client services mm-hmm. and they stood up and they said, right, what do we think is a great client services person and how does it work? And she said, right, I bet you all work with some of the biggest world-class clients mm-hmm. and everybody like, put your hand up if you do and then put the hands up. Mm-hmm. And then she said, right, now I want you to keep your hand up if you know the name of your client and everyone get their hand up. Right, I want you to keep your hand up if you know the name of your client's husband. Half went down. <laughs> right, I want you to keep your hand up if you know how many kids your client's got. Another load went down. And bit by bit, they sort of picked away and said, do you know what their biggest problems are? Do you know this, do you know that? And actually, it's surprisingly how few people at the end had their hand up. And I suppose back to that when we talked about it, I think being human is... I I don't have a very good, if you like, business persona where that's business and that's personal mm-hmm. business. I think with clients and people I work with, they they all have their worries and concerns and, and challenges. And I do make a, a a point of asking them how their children are and how their life is and mm-hmm. how their how things are because we all we are all human. Mm. And and I don't know along the way where that or or if other companies adopt that very client approach. But I think from a an honest sort of consultancy approach, we or we definitely make clients our friends, and because mm. we genuinely want to do well for them, because we will do well if they do well, and we want to help people. So I think it's just assessing the type of relationships and and just caring. And I think you care for people, they care for you, they help mm. you. And 
it's a circle of care and compassion. And I, I think mm. for me, I, I, I can't see any, any other way, to be honest, to live life. That it really strikes a chord. I think it's a great facet of better business in the sense that it's more enjoyable, but also I think will lead to better results, as you said, because if you show that care and that will drive a commitment towards your clients and the work for them and so on, that they will honor it with their, with their loyalty. And I think I have definitely experienced very different cultures i would say I've, i've worked in organizations where it was very personal and uh, like even the inside it was just normal that you have friendly relationships with colleagues but i've also been in organizations where it was quite the opposite where you wouldn't even feel like you would ever go out with a colleague on a beer or so because it was just work and everybody came in putting their work hats on and not sharing and keeping the distance and i think in a way that also then translates into the way you look as a business onto the outside world and onto your clients, everything eventually becomes very separated. And then I think you start seeing that into in the customer experience and in the way that your clients perceive the brand and it feels very disconnected eventually. So I, I love that idea of what you said, that looking at clients, but also your colleagues as a friendship in a way. And, mm designing it like that well that doesn't mean some friendships you do you are a bit more formal with them it's always a bit of a balance but i think mm. yeah it, it, it's actually caring about the end outcome and mm. caring about people along the way and how they are going to if we do an amazing piece of work with loads of brilliant ideas the client looks great and if we don't they're going to go back to their boss and it's going to be a real problem for them mm -hmm. so it, it's caring around the whole process isn't it and i've sort of like i had a period of working client side as well and i saw the other side and i was please care for me we've got loads <laughs> of work to do and i'm going to present it in you know so mm. it's uh, trust isn't it trust and care Yeah, we're already coming towards uh, the end of the time of this. I could talk about uh, these things with you forever. And there was so many great advice in there already. And nevertheless, we always like to ask our guests at the end for some really practical tip, something that our listeners could bring to their work tomorrow. And then one little thing maybe that they could do or change. What would such an advice be from you? I think it's around really think about the ecosystem that you're in and the effect you have on people, the effect that ecosystem has on you and the environment you're in. And I think one of the things I really, I've got a little fish tank in there and our little fish swim around and they're affected by the water temperature, affected by the leaves, are affected by the plants, are affected by the food. And I think that's how, I think if we think about ourselves and then the ecosystem we're in, and how we affect people, how people affect us, and just be really mindful. I think mindfulness is it's not just about meditating, but it's actually being aware of, of who you are and your presence in any situation. So I think for me it would be around, yeah, just consideration of mindfulness – big thing for me is any ideas you've got write them down i don't know mm -hmm. it's because me because i've got a really bad memory mm -hmm. but if i write everything down and i keep a little journal it's really helpful and to look mm -hmm. back on as well that's a great advice you know and I, i definitely take that to heart and i think it definitely helps to create mindfulness i think when you start writing things down you really take a moment to reflect and focus and maybe reevaluate and i think that will help you to just put your mind to the things that are most important so let's all take a blank notebook to work tomorrow and uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. start writing our thoughts and observations down great julia thank you thank so you. much it was lovely That's to talk right. to you and all the best for you thank you take care and See you, you. 
Thank you for listening to Tribe Talks. We'd love to get your feedback. And if you have any questions or a great story to share, just email us at hello at tribecalledhumans.com.